Hello, I'm Jeff Israel, and with me via satellite, Mark Fusco. Welcome to the first episode of the second season of Forgotten Heroes Podcast. This week's episode, Forgotten Heroes of Isolation. Here we are in our isolation booths, um, and we're going to do the best we can to, you know, bring some 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 cheer to your lives. So today we have the forgotten heroes of isolation. And I know from my part, I don't know about yours, but from my part, hearing their stories made me feel like I shouldn't complain. Yeah, I was going to say not only like, oh, I shouldn't complain, but, you know, that there are things that can be done and it's not the end of the world. Um, so I started my research uh, with prison, things that were written in prisons, because um, I didn't know how many I could find with quarantine and with stuff like that. And of course, you have the big famous ones, you know, Don Quixote, um, uh, Martin Luther King, the letters from Birmingham jail. Um, Don Quixote was quarantined? No, Don, you didn't know this? Uh, Cervantes, Miguel de Cervantes, he was in jail when he wrote Don Quixote, the entire thing. That's why it's so goddamn long. Patricia Young was a novelist who at 17 was in the bombings of London uh, by the Germans, World War II. Oh, I've yes. heard of those. And once again, you bring up Hitler. Um, Yeah, I mean, Hitler is unfortunately worming his way. Uh, into this podcast, much like he wormed his way into the minds of dissatisfied Germans after the economic collapses that followed World War One. Um, <laughs> For more on that, listen to Jeff's podcast about the history <laughs> of post World War One Germany and how it led to Hitler's rise. It's a very yeah, different we're vibe. Get a lot of but it's very educational. <laughs> it's still a comedy podcast, surprisingly. Um, so anyway. Patricia Young uh, is very lost to history, is a very forgotten hero. Uh, there's, you know, Wikipedia, you can't find anything on her. Part of the reason, I think, is there is a more modern Patricia Young that I couldn't trace to her, or like whether they were related. She was born around the time that Patricia Young might have had a daughter um, in the 50s. Anyway, she was, she's very hard to find. And this other Patricia Young, by the way, is also in Vancouver and is also a poet. I mean, not also a poet, but as a poet, so they're both, like, authors. Mm. Hold on. What if one of them killed the... What if the the one on Wikipedia killed the other one and assumed her identity? Identity? Yeah. Yeah, but she has a different birthday and stuff. I mean, it could be, like, a... um, Not Snow White. What's Talented the Mr. Ripley like, situation. Is Does he, like, take over someone's, like, body and steal their youth and essence and stuff? I haven't seen the movie. He just, I haven't seen it either, but, but as I understand, as I've come to understand, I've been led to believe that it's basically about a guy who's obsessed, Matt Damon's obsessed with Jude Law, and he kills Jude Law and then assumes his identity. Okay, no. I, I mean more Hence his like talent. the silky, yeah, I, I thought the talent was his, well, whatever. <laughs> Um, I meant more we like the silky. We don't myth. have time to get into all that, and there's no way to find look it up right now. So, Patricia Young. We have no time to look it up exactly. <laughs> um, okay, 
So Patricia Young, yeah, she, when she was 17, she was in the, um, the bombings, in the London bombings. And that was when she wrote her first novel called Narrow Streets. Uh, unsurprisingly, it was about the streets that were around her. So um, she, and she was isolated hold on. in the bomb shelter. So yeah, she was like in a bunker thing and scribbling away at this novel. Well, this is kind of the amazing part. Um, it, and obviously it was a different situation from now because it's not like a viral thing. So there were still people who, you know, she still went outside because she was running a, like, she was working as a nurse and, uh, like, bringing food to people at a food bank. Um, so she did that during the day, during most of the day. And then she came home and, like, prepared dinner. She had, like, t- two brothers and a sister and her family that she was taking care <laughs> of. Um, and then at night between 7, she says between 7 p.m. and 4 a.m., is when she would write uh, about 2,000 to 5,000 words a day. Wow. And so this, you know, that struck me as very similar to at least what I'm trying to do myself, which is, you know, actually maximize some of these um, hours that we must fill. Um, and so that story kind of, you know, resonated with me. Uh, that was her first novel. And she wrote another one while she was in the shelter. She was also, oh, she was... She had surgery because one of the bombs hit and gave her. Now, the timeline on this is a little strange. She got hit by a bomb and she went blind and had brain surgery. Um, but I'm not sure if that's actually went from when she was in the shelter or when in like the 50s when she had moved to Vancouver. Uh, it's She got hit by weird. a bomb in Vancouver, too? No. <laughs> Everywhere she goes, I don't know just whether... getting bombed. <laughs> right. Um... No, but yeah, she, she's fine. Uh, <laughs> she's fine. She was very pro labor movement. She wrote into a lot. Also, she apparently wrote. I couldn't find what show she was on, but she worked for BMI, which was a big, you know, music publisher and and radio show. And she wrote at least fifteen hundred scripts for a radio show that, I mean, Forgotten Heroes Army. If you can research this, by the way, <laughs> Forgotten Heroes Army is like. <laughs> two dozen people but you know (laughs) it's growing by the day in this time right exactly you know our forgotten heroes army can go out and if anyone can find what radio show she wrote for uh maybe some of our canadian listeners can help me out um but yeah i mean super productive super prolific wrote at least 20 novels by the time she was 35 and when she kind of falls off the map Mm. and i can't i couldn't even find her obituary yeah um, after she was murdered by well, Matt she Damon. did come out very... The, actually, this is kind of the interesting coda to at least what I could find of her story is after she wrote these novels, none of which are still in print, by the way, and they're very hard to find, even though it, they all were like... They sold over 25,000 each. Um, they were apparently mm. very popular um, in England. Somebody doesn't she, want like, to find She did national tours. Well, check it out. Listen. So she was very strongly pro-union, in like the 50s and 60s she wrote a ton of letters to the editor mm. um and that's how i found out this about her but then in the 70s she was like super anti-communism and like red china and she was very worried that red china was like in- gonna invade and was using like drugs and mind control and all that kind of stuff so i mean she also could have been getting a little senile um but she like wrote a bunch of letters about red china and then that is literally the last thing that I can find about her is like all these letters warning people about how the reds were coming and we're going to mess with you. So, I mean, not to stoke fears or anything like <laughs> obviously she was the crazy one, but it is a little suspicious. Those are the last things she wrote. So most of the interest in her story obviously is this interesting um, 
fact that she wrote, you know, dozens and dozens of novels, um, seemingly lost to history. Uh, there were a few online on eBay that I could find that are, you know, like a hundred dollars each. And so Ooh. I'm just interested. Maybe I can get some, there's a possibility that they all just secretly sucked and that's why they haven't yeah. gone anywhere. But yeah. it's, I mean, it's still impressive to at 17 in a bomb shelter, write two novels, um, while, you know, avoiding blasts and helping out in food kitchens and nursing. It's very impressive. It's much more than I've done so far in this quarantine. I'm going to tell you the story of Leonid Rogozov. Leonid Rogozov. I think that's how you say it. He's Russian. He was a doctor. Mm. Young doctor, 27 years old, mm. decided to go on an expedition to Antarctica. Ah. Penguins. <laughs> Which can... Oh, no, wait, no, 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 there were penguins there. Uh, Yeah. Wait, are there penguins there? Uh, We'll have to look that up later. <laughs> Which is the one that's like only in the Arctic, but not in the Antarctic? I is don't that penguins? Know. Um. <laughs> so anyway... He decided to go on this trip, I guess, because he was 27. He was uh, thinking that this would be a great adventure. And they wanted someone down there in case people fell ill, you know. Um, yeah. Pretty soon after being dropped off, he started to get sick. The doctor started to get sick. This is oh, 1961, no. by the way. Now, the Antarctic is an unforgiving climate, if you don't know. And it would take, so they got dropped off. They weren't going to get picked up for a year because it was not really possible for ships to just come in and out because of weather conditions and ice and all that shit. So anyway, all right, started sorry, feeling, I just got, what? I just got distracted, but I, I just, I just didn't want to let this point lie. But the thing is, folks, polar bears live only in the Arctic and penguins live only in the Antarctic. So just so we're clear on that. So he was going there to see the penguins. He got sick. Go ahead. Yeah, so no polar bears to, to deal with. But even worse than a polar bear attack is when your own body attacks you. Um, he had a he had appendicitis. Oh. So he was having was... a major, major pain in his appendix region. As a sci- that's a scientific <laughs> term for it. Um, did, you, did you have to look through a medical textbook to find that out? Yeah. And that he he wrote he kept a pretty uh, dramatic journal, <laughs> and he wrote um, he wrote last night he couldn't sleep and the storm whipped through. So he felt pain that was like a storm that whipped through my soul like one hundred jackals. Ah, oh, not penguins. No, one hundred <laughs> penguins. It kind of ruins the drama if you say a storm <laughs> of a hundred penguins whipped through my soul. Sounds kind of fun. <laughs> they walked slowly. They marched through my soul. Incidentally, did you know that the director, George Miller, who made Mad Max, also made Happy Feet? Oh, really? Isn't that Are you sure it's the same weird? George Miller and we're not dealing with a talented Mr. Ripley slash Patricia Young situation? No, it's George Miller, this highly respected artist, also made Happy Feet. I just want Listen, to know a lot of people liked Happy Feet. No, nobody took it seriously. Nobody. Never mind. Okay. 
Within... Happy Feet secretly, what you didn't know about Happy Feet is that it's actually a sequel to Mad Max and was when all humans have been eliminated from the world and it's just dancing penguins. We didn't come here to talk about Happy Feet. <laughs> okay, so he's in serious pain. He's pretty sure it's an appendix situation and he's like, I must operate on myself. Oh no. So he's going to Did do he? an auto appendectomy, he decides. Did he do it? <laughs> well, uh, we'll find out. He gets some assistance. So he gets people to, t- he tells him like how to hold, he wants to do, use a mirror. He tells him how to do that. He tells him how to inject adrenaline in case he passes out. He tells him all the basic stuff. He's also like, you know, I'm going to take my own intestine out. So just watch out for that. Uh, he had to move it out of the way. I guess so. Yeah. Um, and now the big moment comes. Half our audience has just started streaming Happy Feet as soon as you started talking about him cutting his intestines out. This is but way more going. interesting than Happy Feet. It's a medical, <laughs> it's an amazing <laughs> medical story and we need to focus. Okay. So he, um, he starts operating on himself. He's holding, he's, he, he's, there's a mirror, but he actually finds the mirror to be kind of distracting because he, you know, it, it, uh, it uh he's too handsome yeah right it flips the image so it's kind of confusing <laughs> so he decides to kind of do it everything by touch um oh actually i can imagine that yeah. yeah and then so this is what he says finally here it is the cursed appendage he noticed mm. that there was a big sort of like black mark on the appendix and he realized that that typically means according to him Typically means that 24 hours, if he had waited 24 more hours, it would have burst and he would have died. Now, Damn. I, I have a feeling he's embellishing his story a little bit because there's a number of things that happen where it's like, oh, if this one thing hadn't changed, everything would have gone horribly. But I feel like if you self-operate in the middle of Antarctica and successfully take out your own appendix, you're entitled to embellish the story a little bit. Yeah, you get to do whatever you want. I mean, you get... Everything. You become a giant celebrity. Um, <clears throat> so he fucking takes out his own appendix, stitches himself up, basically goes to sleep for a long time. And he was okay. He w- was there for months and months and months. And then they finally, the ship came to pick them up. And he was like, finally, I get to go home. And then the ship ran into, there was, there was still like terrible weather conditions. <laughs> so it was either wait a year or have people be airlifted out of the antarctic now according to him what happened everything went fine but according to him one of the um one of the planes very dramatically uh nearly fell into the sea but didn't but didn't i have a feeling that it didn't nearly fall into the sea but he just wanted to make a badass adventure story and it is a good story yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's a good story without embellishment. Yeah. But I just have a question. Of, I, so is the moral of this story that anyone feeling sick at home today should self-operate? I was worried you were going to say that, especially for someone like you. The moral is definitely not that. He was a trained <laughs> surgeon. That's the whole thing. Okay, I'm just, I'm just trying for our audience. I'm just trying to say, listen, we're not saying if you, if you think you have appendicitis, grab a pen knife and not a mirror, and feel it out. 
you yeah. know, still seek medical attention. I have a very good um, moral, actually. The quotation made me feel, it was a heartening quotation in these uncertain times. Notice all these, com- every commercials, every corporation is put through, thrown together like a little commercial saying like, in these uncertain yeah. times, isn't it good you to know to that car. you have fucking AT&T or something? Yeah, I mean, yo, I could do a whole thing on forgotten heroes of capitalist exploitation of coronavirus panic. But yeah. again, that's that's after my episode on Hitler and the economic crisis in Germany. Um in these They're uncertain times, hilarious. isn't it good that our dish detergent is twice as strong as the competing brand? You can put it on your face. It's just so obvious. Yeah, it's also there's nothing uncertain about the times. It's like, no, here are the facts of things and here's math. And it, I mean, it's certain. It's, you know, but anyway. Okay, here's the nice So what's quotation. the heartening news? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really enjoyed this and it was really nice. So the lesson, according to his son, was... If you find yourself in a seemingly desperate situation when all the odds are against you, even if you are in the middle of the most hostile environment, do not give up. Believe in yourself and fight. Fight for your life. guys i hope you enjoyed forgotten heroes of isolation uh you can follow us on instagram at forgotten heroes podcast facebook all over the rest of social media visit our site forgotten heroes podcast.com tune in next week april 8th for the forgotten heroes of beer celebrate national beer day That's pretty nice. Yeah. And then there's yeah, a picture of a seal. Yourself. Uh, uh, a seal. A seal? I don't, I, seals, I think, are both in the Arctic and the Antarctic. It's covered in happy feet. It's covered in happy feet.